Welcome to Street Smart Business Leaders Powered by Clout. I'm Ishaan Ellis, CEO of Clout, a national public relations and marketing communications firm headquartered in Chicago. Our agency is dedicated to uncovering insights and cultural trends to help business leaders better understand today's consumer. We also invite some of the best minds in business to come on our show to share their insight and experiences. So if you're interested in becoming a guest on our show, stick around to the end of this podcast and I'll tell you how to become one. Welcome to another episode of Street Smart Business Leaders powered by Clout. I'm Michelle Ellis, CEO of Clout. Uh, we are a marketing agency headquartered here in Chicago. We specialize in helping businesses better connect with consumers. I'm excited today because we have a great, uh, a special guest with us who's done many things. He's a wealth of knowledge, and we're going to talk a little bit about leadership today. Uh, I want to welcome Tom Krasitsky to our show. Tom, welcome. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. And uh, you live in my favorite city, Chicago. My daughter lives there, and I, I love visiting her every time. So you're uh, blessed to be there. And I, just from what I've been able to read about your background, you're a leadership expert, best-selling author, former CEO. I mean, you've done some really amazing things, and, and you're more than qualified to talk about leadership. And uh, so I'm excited to dive in that today. So, so talk a little bit about your journey. So what I read is that you transform people into leaders. How did you get into that space? At early on in childhood, I was always uh, found myself in leadership roles, uh, whether it was growing up in New York City on the streets and, uh, you know, pick up basketball or other sports uh, just in the, you know, the schoolyards. And I always found myself in leadership roles. Usually when you find yourself in a situation, there's a vacuum for leadership. And I just had a tendency to always jump in. And I love your show, you know, street smarts, because, uh, you know, a lot of us are book smart, but few of us are street smart. Yeah. You know, I I uh, I always said, look, I got my MBA not only at Pace University, but I also got my MBA at the in the in the streets of New York. I got my MBA in the streets of Eastern Europe, and I was starting up businesses there. Um, so, and, and by the way, my kids taught me more about leadership than any any uh, you know training course or <laughs> or uh, or boardroom could. So that's uh, so so talk about your your CEO days, and so. You know, I, I've uh, started a number of companies and served in that leadership role, and there's certain pressures that come with it, and there are certain things that you learn along the way. So, so what are some of your takeaways as being CEO that you apply to what you're doing today? Sure. So if you're a CEO, you have a lot of responsibility on your shoulder, but I always said, look, being a CEO was really the easiest job in the room, uh, because as a CEO, my really only uh, responsibility was to create an environment for sex for all my employees. And as long as I could create that environment for success, uh, you know, my employees would be successful. Therefore, my company was successful and therefore I would be successful. Um, now, that's easier said than done. Sure. Uh, but, but in the end, um, that really subscribes to me as what I call servant leader. Uh, I became a servant leader probably about 20, 25 years ago when the light went on because up up to that point, it was more about, hey, me, 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 about my projects, about my success, follow me, et cetera. So, and then about 25 years ago, 30 years ago, the light went on and said, look, it's not about me. It's something about much bigger than me. And if I can make people around me successful, then by default, I will be successful as well. And that's when I started focusing on a really creating a supporting structure, whether that may be 
physical support through assets, budgets, mm-hmm. uh, or emotional supports to holding a hand, uh, giving them confidence, uh, mentoring them. Uh, but in all those things, you know, serving my team rather than being served. And when, once once I got that concept, then I became a much lead, better leader. Wow, serving versus being served. That's a, that's a pretty powerful statement that uh, re- registers, with, registers with me. So you talk about unleashing um, your leadership potential and there are four keys to doing that. Can you talk about that a little bit? What, what are the four keys? Absolutely. Uh, the four keys uh, that I wrote, you know, write about in the book is uh, the first key is in order for people to follow you, you have to know who you are. You have to have a strong sense of character of what you're about, what your why is. Uh, and I tell people all the time, look, answer these three questions. If you can answer these three, three questions, you will be a successful leader. And I'll answer these for myself. So give you a little bit of perspective. So the first sure. question is, is who are you? Right. And, and I just mentioned to you, I'm a servant leader. So that defines who I am. And I can be a servant leader at home. I could be a servant sure. leader at work. I could be a servant leader um, in, in any situation. But that depends on, on who I am. The second question is, what are you passionate about? You know, why do you get up every morning? Why do you do what you think you're doing? And the reason I do them is because I love adding value to people. I like people making better. I like making people better. I like making companies better. I like making products better. Um, so it, it's, it's why I get up in the morning. That's my why. And, and the last question is, what are you good at? And I'm pretty good at mentoring and leading. Mm. So the key is if you, if you got, uh, a, a clarity on, on how you answer those three questions, then you can lead your life in, in that area and people will follow you because look, if, if people see, uh, who you are, they could buy into you. Well, that's, you know, that's the reason they'll follow you. Uh, number two, if, if they see that you're passionate about what you're doing, then they'll also become passionate about it. I mean, you know, people are not going to be passionate about something that you're not passionate about. You know, sure. if Tom is not passionate about it, why should I be? <laughs> right? Um, and, and number three is, is uh, you have to be, uh, you, you have to kind of just do a self-check and listen to people around you and say, what are you really good at? Some people think they're good at certain things, but they're not good at. And, and the fact is, look, if you're in a leadership role and people look at you with incompetence, they're not going to follow you either. Yeah. Right. But to be a strong leader and, uh, and you know who you are and, you know, and people understand what you're passionate about and people look up to you and say, hey, this guy really knows what he's doing. Then you have the formula. To, to become a good leader. Sure. And so what was there a moment in time? So the book, uh, C-Suite and Beyond, uh, was there, I, I find when books get written, there's usually an event or, or something that takes place that sparks the idea around it. So can you talk about the, the, the book itself and, and what, you know, what was the driving force to get you to, to put your thoughts down on paper and share it with the world? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I talk about the four keys and a third key is, is having a growth strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And um, a growth strategy, look, I don't care if you're a $5 billion organization or you're a $100 million organization or, sure. or you're just a person yourself. Uh, it always boils down to two really simple questions. You know, how are you spending your time and how are you spending your money? So if you're a large $5 billion organization, how you spend your time? Well, that just means what are your employees working on? What projects are they doing? Uh, and how you spend your money is, okay, what are you spending on advertising? So money mm-hmm. outside your organization. 
Um, and, and you prioritize. Uh, anybody tells you you got time management, it's full of baloney. There's no such thing <laughs> as my time management. It's only priority management. And you put them in four quadrants. You know, the, the first quadrant, and we tend to spend probably about 65, 70% of our time on those. And it's called urgent and important. You can't help mm. it. It's important to you and it's also urgent. Uh, the second quadrant is not urgent, but important. And then the third quadrant is um, urgent, but not important. So it's, maybe it's urgent to somebody else, but it's not urgent to you. It's not important to you. Uh, and the fourth one is not urgent and not important. So the key is, uh, you know, most of us, like I said, you have to spend 65% of your time on urgent and important, but mm. a lot of time is being wasted by individuals on spending stuff that's not important to them, but it's urgent to somebody else. Right. Got it. Got it. Um, so if you can take that time and free it up and move it into the second quadrant, which is not urgent, but important, then you have a, a really good formula for growth. And that's really how my book was born. You know, basically, I took time from there and I put it into the important, not urgent. Look, my life would have been the same um, if I wrote the book or I didn't write the book. Right. But all of a sudden, I said, look, it, it's important for me to write the book. It's important for share, share my stories to hopefully add value to other people, not only when I meet them, not only when they hear my stories, but also they can read my stories so I can reach a much larger audience sure. uh, by sharing that, you know, sharing those stories with them. And, and hopefully they can learn and, and, and grow and, and become better human beings by reading those. And, and that's just, you know, prioritizing and saying, OK, well. I have to make some time. Thank God for COVID. COVID helped a little bit because mm -hmm. that, that gave mm -hmm. me some little downtime. Uh, but that's really how the book was born. It was just me realizing that it's something important to me. Um, and it wasn't urgent, but it was just important. So I decided to do something about it. Wow. Yeah, that's great. And I, I like your quadrant story. That uh, makes a lot of sense. And I do think I would argue a lot of leaders spend spend time on things that are necessarily important and I mean that are urgent um, and they waste a lot of time that way. So what are some of the common when you're going in and you're coaching these executives, what are some of the common traits that are that are that you tend to have to work with them on that they is there like a common flaw that every CEO or, or uh, leader of an organization tends to uh, display? Uh, look, every, every case is different, sure. right? Every situation is different. And uh, the, the most important thing for me as a servant leader is really to, to listen and care. And when I go into an organization, uh, the, the first thing that I have to spend time on is listening, not only to the leader of their organization, but also the people in that organization. You know, a lot of times leaders think they don't have a problem. You know, a lot of time, you know, the, at, at the top of the organization, they think everything is fine. Uh, it, it takes a humble leader to to be able to realize that there may be some issues in their organization. So really, my first task is just to, to listen and, and kind of absorb and understand what's going on in the organization uh, before I make a recommendation to say, OK, well, maybe this is an area that the organization could work on. Um, you know, some some companies have a very strong culture and some companies, some companies have a strong vision, uh, but, but they may not have a great team. You know, I had one instance where I was working with a small bank and, uh, you know, they, they had their culture, they had their vision down and they were looking for a growth strategy. So my first inclination was, to, OK, let's look at the growth strategy and see what's wrong with it. Uh, and then after spending some time with the organization, uh, what I realized is it, 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 what was holding back their growth was not a lack of initiatives, uh, but it was a lack of having a, a team 
that was the reverse. And what do I mean by that? Mm. Um, at the, they were all, because in the bank industry, they all thought alike. They were all a bunch of analytical people. So they analyzed the hell out of everything. And mm. they weren't able to actually approve projects and move forward because they had analysis paralysis, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so what, in, what it ended up, in, instead of coming up with a strategic growth plan, what it ended up being is to sit down with the leadership of that to say, look, you need a much more diverse thinking team because yeah. the team you got now, it doesn't matter what plan you put on a paper, it's never going to materialize because everybody's going to analyze it and kill it. <laughs> so, so, so you need right. different, you know, um, and I'm a big advocate of DISC and there's, you know, Myers-Briggs and LSI and Strength Finders, there's all kinds of studies out there, but sure. um, I'm a big advocate of diverse thinking theme, uh, diverse thinking teams, mm -hmm. uh, because they, you know, the problem is the same. But the way you go problem solving is very different. And if you have diversity of, of, of thought in the room, Love uh, it. you're going to have a lot more solutions to choose from instead of kind of going down a rabbit hole because everybody thinks the same way and everybody has the same blind spots. Um, and that's what really happened. And, and, and that just happened through observation. You know, they called me in for a strategy planning session and ended up being reorganizing the team. Wow. And you hit on something that I do talk to clients about often is that diversity of thought and think about the power behind that. You know, let's say, yeah, 10 people at a table trying to solve this business problem. They each bring their own background, their own journey, their own experiences to the table. Think about the brain power around trying to solve that, that business problem. It's, 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 it's amazing. And, and it's, it's always surprising to me that that gets missed by a lot of, of, of leaders because it's we're all comfortable with people that are more like us than 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 not. And and, and large organizations too. I, I I'll share a quick story with you. Yeah. In about two thousand and three, I think it was, um, I was uh, part of the Wharton Fellows, and Wharton Fellows. You know, we have a, a couple of meetings a year, and and this particular trip was organized up to Seattle. And uh, they had us, uh, there was probably about 35 uh, executives there. And mm -hmm. they had us talk to Microsoft, uh, Costco, and, and to Starbucks. So Microsoft and Costco pretty much, you know, they, they kind of did a presentation. The Costco presentation was actually pretty interesting. Uh, but Starbucks basically said, look, you know, we got 35 pretty bright people in a room. So let's put them to work. So we gave them an assignment. Uh, they gave us an assignment. And at that point, about 2003, Starbucks was pretty oversaturated in the U.S. And they were looking for mm -hmm. international mm -hmm. expansion. So they were kind of asking us about international expansion. <laughs> and I was representing one of the tables and I got up in front of a room and, and Oren Smith, who was the CEO at the time, kind of looked at me like I had three heads. But I said, look, I'm just looking at your uh, executive management team. And all I see is, is you know, North American Anglo-Saxon names. And I don't know what the names was, but, you know, Smith, Jones, you know, whatever. I said, look, <laughs> you guys want to go international? You better get some names like Rodriguez or, or Mumbawi or something on your, because, yeah. because you don't have diversity of thought. You guys are all thinking the same, yeah. you know, get some international names and, and yeah. kind of like, who's, who do I, you know, who's this guy talking about it? But, and I, and I don't know if it hit home or not, but uh, that, that's, you know, one of the, just an example of diversity thought is just, just a simple, you know, simple idea. It's pretty, pretty powerful. So, so how do, so if someone wants to work with you, what's, what's the process? How, how do, how do we get someone like you in, in the, the boardroom? Just the invitation. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, 
the, my last name is is very unique, uh, Karesti, which is K-E-R-E-S-Z-T-I. Mm -hmm. uh, you Google that name, you'll find my book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or whatever. Uh, you can find my website. The, the only other names that will come up with that last name is my sister, who's an MD in Boston, and my daughter, who's an <laughs> Instagram influencer. So um, it, it, and you just go to my website, uh, fill out a, a, a form. I'm happy to jump out a 15-minute uh, call with you and see if I can help you. Um, and, and look, it's just an honest dialogue between two people. It's investing on my 15 minutes, your 15 minutes. Uh, I may or may not be able to help you. I don't know. But if we don't get on the phone and talk 15, then, then we'll never know. And, and guys, I, I definitely encourage you to uh, buy the book um, and look them up. It's some really uh, helpful information there. And Tom, what would you say to, uh, because we also have uh, young entrepreneurs that are, that are saying, hey, I'm done with corporate life. I'm going to go ahead and hang my own shingle and, and, and make a run at this. Is there any early stage thinking as a, a new leader, new CEO, um, anything you would, you would share? Yeah, I, I would share those three questions that I started with you. And I tell you why it's very important, because mm -hmm. I worked for large multinationals um, for the first 25, 30 years year of my life. And and for example, as a Colgate Palmolive or as a record bank executive, mm -hmm. when I for simplest thing is hiring people, right? I, I would have a slew of, of of MBAs from you know Harvard and Yale and everything else trying to work for Colgate Palmolive because it was a very strong and great brand. People oh, recognize absolutely. the brand. People say, hey, this is a great marketing company. I want to work for them. Then uh, I went off in 2005, I opened my own business. And, and I had that mindset because I worked for a large Fortune 100s, 500s yeah. all my life to say, mm -hmm. okay, well, I'm going to attract really great talent. And then, you know, I started to try hire people and everyone was like, who the hell are you? And why should I work for you, right? Who's Tom? I was like, right, right. So, um, so when you're a small company, when you're an entrepreneur, when you're just starting up, you have to realize that because you don't have a strong brand, the reason people want to associate with you or want to work for you because who you are, they're going to have to buy into you more, you know, in a large organization, a large 400, fortune 100, you know, whether you're a CEO or an, or an executive vice president, or even a general manager, there's that strong company brand that sure. attracts talent. Um, Never mind who sits in the office, maybe a fool or maybe a, a brilliant guy, but that brand will get people through the door. When you're a small startup, the only way, reason people come work for you because they buy into you. Sure. I believe that 100%. You know, I, I did my uh, almost a, a decade at the McDonald's Corporation before deciding to go it out on my own. And uh, same thing. I thought I'd, you know, get some of the best talent and um, it didn't work that way. And I had to clearly articulate the vision for the agency I was starting and why and how we fit in the marketplace and, and uh, what um, value proposition we we're gonna offer uh, to uh, potential clients and had to get people to buy into that and help me drive that mission forward. So I agree with you 100%. Um, this has been great. So one more time, um, what's your website address or how do we get a, the book? Uh, share your uh, information again. Again, Karesti, K-E-R-E-S-Z-T-I, unique mm -hmm. name. Google <laughs> that and uh, just look for Tom and you'll find me. Yep. And his book is called C-Suite and Beyond. So please be sure to, to look that up and, and, and buy it. There's some good stuff in there. Tom, thank you so much for 
uh, coming on the show today. I really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, who knows, I may be calling you for some things that we're, <laughs> that we're working on. And, and I, I seem to really connect with what you, you have to share. So thank you again for your time today and uh, coming on the show. All right. Thanks, Michonne. Thank you so much for listening to Street Smart Business Leaders Powered by Cloud. Now, if you know someone who'd be a great guest for the show, please send them my way or have them go to cloudllc.com slash podcast slash apply and we'll take a look. If you got something great out of today's show, please let me know what you thought. Also, share it on social media and be sure to subscribe to the podcast itself. And again, the whole goal behind the podcast is to share experiences and insights so we can all develop and grow. So until next time, make every day your masterpiece. Take care.